Welcome to In the Know with Neo, and thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Joshua Moore, and for those who aren't aware, Neo is a student-led social justice initiative that amplifies the voices of underrepresented small business owners within the Cincinnati community, and we're excited to share this week's episode with you. So greetings to those tuning in to In the Know with Neo. I'm your host, Joshua Moore, and this week we have the grace of speaking with Means Cameron, as well as Thomas, aka Dodds, from Black on Apparel and Black Coffee Lounge. Uh, Means is the owner and creative director for Black on Apparel, and as I said, as well as Black Coffee Lounge um, here in Cincinnati. But Means works doesn't stop there. Uh, his hands constantly in other work here in Cincinnati, um, internally and outside of the city. Um, so super excited to dig deeper into the story. But first off, Means and Dodds, how are you guys doing today? Uh, how's your Monday been treating you? Feeling good, man. Monday yeah. is doing what Monday do, though, yeah. for sure. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. So, yeah, Monday. Monday, the best day of the week. Uh, so, as I said, this is our first ever podcast um, of In the Know with Neo as we started it this year. Um, and what better person to speak with than you means as well as Dodds. Uh, due to your work within the entrepreneurial ecosystem um, in Cincinnati and beyond, passion for inspiring the next generation of leaders um, and ensuring an equitable and sustainable future for all people, especially those in the minority community, uh, which highly correlates with our mission and vision here at NEO Initiative. Uh, so let's get into the, let's get right into the first question. For those who don't know, who is Means Cameron to you? Um, and can you give us a brief background and overview of what the Black-owned brand is, both for the coffee lounge and the, the apparel line? All right, so I heard a couple questions. Yeah, I kind of threw a lot at you at once. <laughs> I apologize. Yo, what's the first question? Which so <clears throat> if someone asks you, who is Means Cameron to you? Yeah. I'm a uh, Means Cameron. I'm a brother. I'm a son. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a community man. Certainly an entrepreneur. I'm a father. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm here to change the world. I love it. I love it. You yeah. feel me? That's a really good question. We had a, a networking <coughs> event earlier, and one of the speakers asked them, someone asked, who, who are you? Most people go to their position or what they do in their, their company or their business. Um, and I like how you went directly towards like who you are as a person and who you were born to be. Um, so I think that's a good thing a lot of our viewers and students can take away from that, that you're much more than just the, the roles and the labels that you have onto you. And with that, could you give us a brief overview of like the what and the why of starting the Black-owned brand and how that's branched out throughout the years? Yeah. For sure. Well, a brand just celebrated um, its 11-year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. You. Thank you very much. So we've been at it for a little while, but, I mean, the inspiration from the brand is really just life experiences. Um, growing up in a predominantly black neighborhood, what we call the hood, mm-hmm. the urban core, um, just the, the, the relationships you have, the interactions you have as a young boy. Specifically one that, you know, grew up with siblings to a single parent mom. Uh, So, you know, when you grow up like that and you grow up in these environments, a lot is happening. You're seeing a lot. And uh, from a very young age, I knew that I didn't want my life to be, you know, in its totality what I grew up in. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to elevate from that. And I knew that from a very young age. 
I think that's really the beginning workings of me being an entrepreneur because I was always thinking, what could I do to take it next level for myself and for my family? But it really wasn't until I got, I mean, years, I'm, I'm skipping down for the sake of time, but it wasn't until I got to college at Miami University uh, up in Oxford, Ohio, because mm -hmm. someone may be watching this thinking Florida. I'm thinking down in Florida. Yeah. And it, it actually, over all these years, it sucks because I always have to clarify that mm -hmm. we're in Oxford. But, yeah, I wish I did go to Miami and Florida, though. I'm sure that would have been oh, lit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. but I got a lot at, at Oxford, a lot from Oxford, um, mainly just a complete culture shock, mm -hmm. you know, of where I come from, mostly everybody is black. Mm -hmm. And the mentality is such, the environment, the way we deal with each other is you know, consistent. But when I got to Miami, it was like 3% African-American. So it was just a whole different ball game. But while I was there, I found out, you know, how to engage. I found my gifts, my tools, how to work my God-given abilities in other environments. And that's what really, you know, opened the door for me because I was already doing that in my, in my neighborhood amongst my friends. But once I got in Miami, it was a new world, you know, new opportunities. And I learned a lot. And most of the people I was around in Miami wasn't talking about getting a good job. Mm -hmm. They were talking about, like, how they could create the good job. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I got that from, from being at Miami, you know. So once I left, I had this, you know, this desire to create something. And it was just brewing. And my life experiences with, with being a black male, the engagement of our country, like with black people, mm -hmm. how we being treated, you know, we, we give each other the hardest time. But for me, it was like we could do a lot better if we just started out with how we spend our money. Mm -hmm. And that concept of black owned came to me about owning myself as a black human, but also that opportunity to create, you know, generational impact and wealth. Yeah. So that's where the the inner workings of Black Owned started, but um, that's just the concept for it. Okay. Since then, obviously, we've had a lot of moving parts with yeah. people like Dodds and my business partner Merck and Gil and Tone, the whole squad. Like you know, we we really a family brand. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I think that's something else also gets missed in business and in life: the importance of having the team on your side. Um, and I think you spoke over it briefly as you ended that question. Uh, so with like part of Neo's overall mission being to sustainably empower minority-owned businesses and amplify the voices of like marginalized community within the business environment, um, in the transparency and tried to strive to be uniquely you with like naming your brand Black-owned, um, it's something I and so many others find inspiring and transformative both in business and in life overall. So I know you already did a little bit, but can you speak over how you landed on the name of Black-owned apparel? And what that means to you, and maybe Dodds, you can answer the question as well. What does black on apparel mean to you? Well, maybe I can maybe I can let Dodds answer what it means to him. Okay. Now, obviously, he's been around me, so part of what it means to me has grown to of be course, what it means. Of course, of course. But he can answer, and then I'll tell you what, Perfect. what we started. Perfect. Yeah. Um, it's in the name, um, ownership. Mm -hmm. And it's more than just um, material things. It's ownership of self. Um, being accountable, being hardworking, being responsible. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. 
He ain't a man of many words, I guess. <laughs> nah, Dawes can talk. A few. We had some it good conversations. But uh, the way we landed on a name, like, so, like I was saying, I was, I was at Miami University. So I grew up in the urban core here in the city in the West End. Um, I moved to the West Side, which was a whole different black experience. And then I ended up at Miami University, which was another black experience, mm -hmm. you know, uh, of being in a space like that. So in those places, you know, you, you, you adapt. But it was the hardest at Miami to adapt. Like, I just couldn't really find myself. Mm -hmm. The people back home, it's like, you ain't the same. And the people at Miami, I could never really be, you know, mm -hmm. them. Yeah. I'm black. Mm -hmm. But I lost a part of, the, you know, I lost a part of that, a part of that. Um, I lost some of that at Miami, I should say. Okay. Like I, I lost a piece of myself there, trying to figure out what success looked like. Like I started to think that success was attached to me behaving and thinking a certain way, not so much me giving the world what I had to, mm -hmm. you know, share or what my thoughts were. So uh, I, I struggled with that for my first couple years, but then in my junior and senior year, that ownership piece came in. Like, you know, no, you got to own who you are. It's a beautiful thing, and these people can be introduced to who you are, and you can make it just a little easier for the next means Cameron is going to mm -hmm. come to Miami University. So I graduated, and I, I left Miami, and I studied. I was, I was abroad for a bit, which was a super cultural experience. I spent like 90 days in Asia. And then I came home and I lived in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And that was another experience. And while I'm taking on these experiences, I'm thinking about how I would like to have that in my city, you know, like for the represent the people that, that know me. So I came back to Cincinnati with that in mind. And all of these ideas and concepts came back to no matter where you go in the world, my story felt big to somebody. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel as big at Miami, but in Asia, it was a big story. And in New Orleans, it was a big story. And I needed to own that forever. And I wanted to give that gift to everybody. You know, and fashion just was the vehicle for it. So I was riding down Hamilton Avenue. I had just got a haircut. You know, like when you get a haircut, you feel amazing. <laughs> the best ideas. Me this like, weekend. Like everything is flowing when you get a cut. Um, but I was riding down Hamilton Avenue and the idea just popped in my head. Like literally, I was thinking about what my move was, but I hadn't had a name. And it was like, why not black on? Because if you always own who you are, you black on. Right. And uh, I called my partner and I told him the idea and the name and immediately he was like, that's fire. You know, that's hard. I think at the time we were saying that's hard, but he's like, that's hard. Yeah. So, you know, the rest is history. Like we. I sketched the, you know, the look up, see what it would look like, written out a bunch of ways, and I finally landed on what we have today. Mm. But uh, really, no, no crazy fashion experience. I got a marketing marketing degree at Miami from the business school. Um, I just had the push and the drive to take this concept and use fashion to drive it. Okay. And I, it's it's fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. One question I do have personally. Is there a reason for the capitalization of the certain letters in black-owned apparel? Yeah, it is. It's not what everyone thinks, but it is. Okay. So when, when I was first drawing this out, I felt like when I was writing it, all caps or all lowercase, it just looked like if someone was saying black-owned. Okay. It didn't have any distinction. 
personality. Yeah, exactly. So I was able to add that distinction, that mm-hmm. personality by just capitalizing that. And then once I did it, I was like, everybody's going to ask what, why you doing this? Yeah. It's just more reason for people to be intrigued by this yeah. logo or this design. So, um, that's really all it was. Okay. Like it was never really like an acronym for mm-hmm. nothing. It was never nothing too crazy. But everybody asked that, which means did something right. It was it did what it needed yeah. to do. But yeah, it stands out. It's like when you see it written that way, you know it's us. Yeah, it does. It does. So no, we spoke over kind of the grassroots days of how Blackum came about. Um, but in high school and college, have you always had the desire to start a business? Um, and if so. What would you say, like, some of the defining moments when you knew, like, this was the route you wanted to take, whether it's people, experiences, um, and certain things like that? And I was reading in, a, in an article by the Cincinnati Chamber, it said you were the, uh, the neighborhood's candy man. So maybe you started selling candy, and then that transitioned to shoes, and then that mainly transitioned to apparel. So interested of how it all, the entrepreneurial mindset came about. You know what? Like... <clears throat> It's true. Like so, when I was a kid, I sold candy. Um, I sold sneakers, and what's what's crazy about the sneakers thing is that I sold the sneakers out the trunk of my car, just like we started selling shirts mm-hmm. out the trunk of the car. But I can honestly say that when I was younger, it was just having. Like, mm. if you don't have much, you're just trying to figure out how to, you know pick yourself up and even like I said at a young age if I was watching my mom struggle with something in my mind I thought if I could do better then she would do better mm-hmm. and so you sell candy as a kid you just want to make money it's a transaction and even in high school when I was selling sneakers and my first clothing brand it was just a transaction I wasn't really thinking about the business side of it I was just thinking I want to have more money than I had mm-hmm. yesterday mm-hmm. And if I had more money, then my life would be this much better, you know. So it wasn't a business thing at a young age. And I wasn't looking like someday I'm going to own a business or an operation. Um, and I think that held true, like, all the way through high school for the most part. I think what I grew up thinking or that I was even programmed to think is that I would go to school, I would get a college education, and then I would get the best job that anyone in my family has ever had. And that was that was always my goal. So when I saw clean cut, um, clean cut black man like wearing a suit or something, I would envision like that could be me, even though I didn't grow up that way. I just thought like that's that's where I want to go. And that was kind of a programming. But like I said, once I got to Miami, I found out that these people were owners like, you know, they like, well, my dad owns this. My dad created this. And I kind of started to think like, wait, well, wait. Tell me a little more about this. You know, like, how, how did he do that? Like, where did he start? Where did he go to school? What did he study? Mm. So I became a little more obsessed with those con- with that concept of, like, owning something versus just working for somebody. And I also knew that I never felt comfortable giving my talents to anyone else. Mm. Like, that was another reason why at a young age I would do my own thing. It's because I just didn't want to give what I had to someone else. I felt like I could use it for for myself. Mm -hmm. So starting a business right out of college, you know, was really a lot of parts. It was like, there's no way. The way I feel about myself, like the way I love myself, that I'm going to go to work for someone else every day and clock in and give them my best. 
without giving myself that same chance first. Mm -hmm. So black on was like, it had to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, we just happened to pick the right name at the right time and we had the right hustle. Yeah, I like how you incorporated all the pieces from just like knowing what success is to you, the timing, the business plan, and like how it all came about and the branding. Um, and I know that's something a lot of students focus on in class. You said you're a marketing major. Um, a lot of students here are marketing majors as well as I hold a minor in marketing. Um, so with your experiences at Miami, where you say, I know we personally talked about this before, what are some of the biggest takeaways from your four years at Miami that you've been able to apply? And I saw, again, in a piece in the article, it helped you with, like, consumerism and, like, how to engage with the consumer. Um, so any, like, experiences that stand out to you that think could be applied to certain experiences here for other students? Yeah. Um, I guess, like, really, we talked about this for the most part. I can't say I remember too much of what was in the books. Yeah. <laughs> like, but what I do remember is um, the first piece is being in that environment for the first time by myself, having deadlines, mm -hmm. feeling like the world was against me. Um, I wasn't in my comfort zone. Like my entire life, I pretty much been in my comfort zone, you know, in my community, people love me. I love my people. That was good. But here I was out of my comfort zone. So uh, I could say like, that was the, that was the like first thing that I was able to take away from college is how to thrive when I wasn't in my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. But the other piece was like one, working in groups, working with teams, bringing bright ideas together, every project, in the business school in Miami was a group project. Mm. And when I started, I can honestly say I didn't have the confidence that I belonged in those groups. You know, I just, coming out of Cincinnati Public School, I just didn't feel prepared. Mm. And it showed when, like, we would be studying for the tests. I would, like, spend weeks studying all day, all night, and they would, like, be partying and they would study like a couple days before and they would still get a better grade. Mm -hmm. But I would ask and say like, how are you, how are you doing this? And I would say, well, we did this in high school. Yeah. This is just a, you know, a refresher. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like, it taught me that exactly what, what life is like as a black male is that you're gonna always have to put in a little extra effort, a mm -hmm. little more effort to get, to arrive at the same place. But the biggest piece is like not waking up every day and reminding myself that I have to do more. The biggest piece is reminding myself that I have what's necessary to do more. Mm. So I got that at Miami. You know, I got that at Miami where I learned how to, you know, really change my perception. Like, and see what was going on out there and realize that like, all right, success isn't gonna come easy by no stretch. Mm -hmm. And these people, it's not like they were just, it can't. It was this easy. They had just done it before. But um, the other thing like that, that, that Miami gave me is terms of like what you're looking at as a student, I would say, you know, it's the critical thinking piece. Like every, there's a problem. You know, there's always a problem. Like, but we always, we try to say we, you know, there's no such thing as a problem. We have solutions, mm -hmm. you know, like, so, Stuff happens to us, of course, but 
in my mind, I'm already prepared that there's a solution. And I think it's being in those kind of environments, having to dig deep, meet deadlines, you know, things of that nature. So I would say, yeah, it's more so the critical thinking piece and, you know, just the ability to uh, work closely with people that come from different backgrounds, different thought patterns, and really see that I'm an asset. Like, because a lot of young black people don't get that. Yeah. In their mind, they're thinking, I'm not worthy. I don't, I'm not bright enough. I'm not good enough. So they performance lack. But, like, once I realized my first couple of years, I struggled. But, again, I was willing to put in the extra work. And by the time I graduated from Miami, if anyone who went to school with me sees this, they'll tell you, like, everyone wanted to be in a group with me, you know. And it was it was part, like, because I was different, but also they realized, like, He's willing to do the work. Yeah. Yeah, I think you had a lot of great pieces and insights in there, especially the group the group work pieces, being so young and having that maybe doubt of the skills and abilities that you do have can cause you to, like, backdrop on the views and the insights that you have, and you know that they are good. And that goes back to just the piece of having, like, the courage to say something, but also the consideration to work with other people from other backgrounds and experiences um, and you mentioned some of like the, the struggles you had. Um, so the next question I do have, so like often people see like the success at the end of the road, like where black owned is now. Um, but it's often like the hardships and the challenges that you face in the early stages um, in building a brand. So especially like black owned, so are there any like distinctual like challenges or hardships you faced or maybe experiences where you don't know if you could have kept going forward, but you chose to to keep going and you did it? Well, I got countless of those examples. <laughs> That's what entrepreneurship really is. So mm-hmm. I never want anyone to think that like, you know, when you take this route, you essentially like get more of your life back to some degree. Like that's not what entrepreneurship is. Mm-hmm. But before we get there, really we're going to have to crack a couple of jokes in here. We're going to get some game, but we got to <laughs> laugh a little bit, too. It's going to be all serious, man. Like, everything is just yeah. question. But, <clears throat> yeah, like, I guess what you're, what you're saying, like, what is a couple of those moments? Um, you know, like, really, I'll be honest and transparent. Like, we didn't start knowing what we needed to know. Like, when we started in 2011, the Internet wasn't, necessarily a place that was teaching business the way that it is now Mm -hmm. i feel like if you get on youtube today or if you even get on instagram to some degree you can find people talking about how to start a business how to get an llc Mm -hmm. how to get prepare your taxes correctly um like business strategies marketing strategies it was it's just readily available today it wasn't in 2011 so we kind of just was what's crazy about us is like my 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 business partner. He graduated. We, we he graduated from the school of hard knocks. Like you know, it's just a lot of lessons learned out there. What we call transferable skills mm-hmm. that he was able to bring on and just help with growing the brand early on. And even though I had a degree in marketing, that was like where it stopped. Like you know, there's also operations. There's mm-hmm. a financial aspect. Like, so I think we just had will to get there. So we bumped the head, we bumped our heads a lot. I would say uh, one, one example in particular is like 
when we first opened our storefront, we had been running, we opened in two thousand three years. Um, yeah, 2011, and we opened in 2014. And when we first opened a store, it was because we had outgrown the, the, the like trunk concept and selling out of our house. But we didn't have a really a plan, overall plan for the storefront. It was just that we knew that our brand was strong. We wanted to sell our product and we wanted to like take our brand from just being local to national. But like, there's a lot of things you have to consider when you're all, when you have retail like yeah. that we just didn't know. So I think we bumped our heads a lot there. And the biggest challenge was going from printing on blanks to like producing our own garments. Mm -hmm. And at the front end of that, we spent a lot more money on it than we needed to. So much that I almost drove the brand, you know, out of business. Because mm. I was just spending the money on what felt good, what looked good, which was a level up in terms of garment. But the margins was really thin. Okay. So once we realized this, <clears throat> like we're selling out everything, but we're not making money. Mm. Once we realized this, we like went back to our original plan. But... I would say that's one thing. And then the other challenge is just now and even now today, 11 years in, is capital. Like we have multiple projects running at a time. We have, you know, a team of five or six and uh, with one being contract. So we're a small team and just having the capital to fund all of the ideas. Because in our business, you need the money ahead of time because you got to make clothes now yeah. for spring. So <clears throat> you start that production early. But yeah, figuring out the capital piece is a big thing, but also just overall business strategy that we lacked, that we had to bump our heads and learn along the way. So now, I mean, obviously we, we do a lot better and we, we get a lot more out of it today than we did six years ago. Yeah, and I think a lot of the, the, the overall message of the story is a lot of people, even myself, I've learned get stuck on the ideation phase. But if you do, if you act and you just put those ideas into action, as you said, you learn. You learn as you go. And one of the, the cool stories I found when I was doing some research, it kind of goes alongside the branding and the marketing um, strategies, that you printed out like 25 of the black-owned apparel uh, like first sweatshirts and gave them out to a lot of like influential friends mm -hmm. and peers and associates that you knew. And they all wore them out at the same time. And then the next day, you had so many incoming messages and just, like, um, built-up hype around the brand. So was that something you, like, how did you think of that? Because it's so, it's very interesting and strategic in the way, but it's so unique of how you went about marketing. As you said, social media really wasn't as, like, uh, built up at that time as well. So it's, I thought it was an interesting story of how you thought of that. Yeah, you know, like, <clears throat> influencers is just, like, the term I feel like is new. Yeah. But it's something we've been doing. Yeah. Like, it's not a new model. Uh, and the guys that you're talking about, the original black-owned crew, they were all, like, just so happened, we would all meet up. We were all kind of linked up mm -hmm. amongst what we were doing anyway. We had party promoters. We just had the cool people in the city. Yeah. Um you know, I was at the time full gold music. So we were all hanging in the same circles. Mm -hmm. So we just, we linked up and we supported one another. Like that was at a, t a time where we just, whatever each other had going on, we could we could make it. We didn't have families at the time, but 
uh, yeah, so I just went to those guys and told them about the idea and everybody was with it. Mm-hmm. It was like, but I think once we wore it, it was like a pay, immediate payback for them and for me. Because it was like, everybody was like, where did y'all get these sweatshirts? So to be the original people like wearing them, it's like, okay, we did something, you know? And then for us, for me and my partner, it was like we had, that's when Facebook was the thing. And I think, I'm not sure if you still had to have a, a, um, no, you didn't. But that's when Facebook was the thing. And we just had it like literally about 50 orders. Wow. Like the next day. People just saying, like, I, I'll give you my money. This is my size. We like, okay, this is something. Yeah. And 50 orders don't sound like a lot, but we knew it was something because it was, like, right away. And even the people who didn't ask the order, we posted those pictures on Facebook, and it was just, like, the talk, like, black on. For people that look like us, it was, like, an ah moment. Like, wow. Like, it's just, like, a, a, a soul-like release, mm-hmm. you know. For people that didn't look like us, it was infuriating. Because for the first time, at least in this area, someone had ever like made a statement like that and put it on their chest. Yeah. So that's a that was a time, you know, like. But that was just influencer influencer marketing. Like I knew these people had influence and people wanted to dress and look like mm-hmm. them. So it was like, put it on these guys. I'm forever I'm forever grateful to those to those guys too like yeah. we post that picture often um we didn't get a picture of everybody on that day like but we got a picture of the core core group but we always go back to that photo yeah yeah during the the origin days but i love the story there's so many more of just like the viral viral marketing just increasing the virality of the brand and like the brand image and name um, but i know we talk, talked over a bit about black owned um in the early stages but one question i do have for you um, that I think is special to your heart as well. I watched uh, the Gumbo Talks podcast, and a lot of the talks was about Cincinnati since it brings together um, a lot of influential people in Cincinnati. So what do you think makes Cincinnati special in your eyes um, since you've worked with so many leaders in this space? Um, you're associated with high schooler, with a lot of high schools um, in Cincinnati's public area, um, and you even got to do like the Bengals draft pick in 2021 in the apparel line with them, Stripes Don't Come Easy. Um, so what what's special about Cincinnati to you? Like what what makes you proud to call it home? That's a loaded question, man. That it's can go lot. for a long place. But like, I love Cincinnati, like you know, because this is where I'm from. You know, this is this is where I've had my impact. This is where people give me love. So I'll I'll say that part. Um, but I think why I'm here from a career standpoint, it's like I really feel like, and culturally, like I, I feel like Cincinnati is is still developing. You know, like there's, the canvas is is not finished. And you go to some places like out on the West Coast or down South, like that culture is just deep, is mm-hmm. there. It's it's not really moving much. Like, and and that could be good, you know, in some cases. But here, I don't think, it's there yet. I think Cincinnati in general is still carving out the identity. Like, what are we as a city? Mm-hmm. But I think also black people in Cincinnati are carving out what Cincinnati looks like for us. And that's a that's something that take work, conversation, a lot of fight 
fussing, you know. So I'm here because the work ain't finished. But, you know, hopefully one day we could we could sit back, you know, take a step back and say, like, this is where we started and this is where the city is now and we played a pivotal role in that. And then, you know, we get the opportunity to, to pass it out to younger energy like Dodds, who's, you know, like he's been around since the beginning of the pandemic <clears throat> at Black On, started at Black On, you know, just shipping, and then has now, you know, worked over to the coffee shop, which, as you know, they're mm-hmm. it's family. It's a vibe. So, you know, just like he's really good in events, creating that culture and mm-hmm. community, and the coffee shop is is that. So I just think we, you know, the work isn't done here, and we still putting those pieces to the puzzle as well as other leaders like you name Rico mm-hmm. um, it's it's a it's a long list of artists and you know entrepreneurs coming up in Cincinnati and I just think right now if you leave you'll regret it mm-hmm. yeah that's some that's something that I noticed completely when I first came to Cincinnati um, being from Columbus Ohio is there something special about the culture the people and the diversity both in business and just when you're walking walking down the street rather if you're in OTR, if you're in Clifton, or if you're downtown, just something that, it's just a switch different rather when I was in Columbus, and a lot of people don't like me saying this, but I do like Cincinnati more than Columbus. Of course you and do, I, And man. I will say that proudly, probably will get some of my friends who, who won't enjoy that the most, um, but kind of changing strides a little bit. I know we only have about 10 minutes left. So with Neil being based in their consulting and business analytics, um, and making and helping our clients make more informed and data-driven decisions. So as you've grown in business, how have you witnessed like the importance of objectivity and like data analytics in the day-to-day operations of being a business owner? Um, whether that's in like your marketing efforts on social media, uh, like estimating production orders, uh, or just ensuring like the financial health of your business, uh, since numbers really aren't going anywhere and data is just becoming more and more relevant in our in our world today overall? It's a really good question. Another one of those loaded questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did a lot of research. Yeah. Um, I think every business should be a data business. Like every business. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to be top tier at it when you first start out, but, you know, build the brand on data. Mm-hmm. And you can save yourself a lot of work there and that data should be like who your customer is who your target is you know understanding your margins understanding the market understanding your industry um no so you know you should be a data business but again implementing that can be a challenge for many small businesses Mm -hmm. because it's not cheap you know to have someone on staff that's gonna make sure they pull in all the correct data, but tell you how that data can be applied or how it's important or relevant to your business, essentially mm-hmm. increasing the revenue. So with what we're doing with with Neo is we understand like from the very beginning, <clears throat> we've we've tried to build community around our brand of, you know, of like the the state of mind, which is, you know, our tag, the state of mind you know, that I'm not buying black owned because I'm supporting this. I'm buying it because it's who I am. Mm. It's a lifestyle. It's how I feel when I get up in the morning. 
So like we've tried to create the community there, but then when you step over to the other side, which is important to create the community because that's your base. Those are the people who support you. But then you have to understand how to communicate with those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, communicate. Because we all have, you know, likes, dislikes, and what we're willing to pay attention to, right? So understanding, like, once you create the community, you have to know how to continue to talk to them. And the data that you're collecting will assist you in that. Mm-hmm. So we're just trying to get more familiar, I guess, you know, and it's like a relationship. Like, get to know. Get to know your customer. You're dating them, you know, find out how they like to order their ice water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like light ice, heavy ice, whatever it is, you should learn these things about your customer and you apply that to your business goals and strategies, you know. So hopefully, you know, throughout this program that we're doing, we learn a little more about um, our customer on social media, which is what we're getting a social media report and, uh from it we just we should be able to better understand when to post how to post what types of things are impactful to our you know our customer or our following do they like stories do they like feed posts do they like to see it on both like mm-hmm. whatever that is we want to know because we'll do more of it mm-hmm. yeah and i think just being in neo initiative and being around data and a lot of information one of the coolest pieces that i've heard is behind like every piece of data and every number it's like a human being and you hit on that. Does they, they want light ice? Do they want like heavy ice? It just matters of what they want uniquely from like their perspectives and experiences, but also using that objectivity to just make the experience even better. Um, so I think you answered that question perfectly. And then the last two questions I do have, I saw one of your favorite quotes in an article. It was behind every great business owner is a better cup of coffee. <laughs> and for many people, I saw you came in um, drinking coffee then I also was at Black Cone on Friday, and um, Dodds made me an amazing vanilla latte. And, like, coffee represents, like, energy, momentum, and, like, a spark to keep going for a lot of people. And I saw that's what you mentioned that you noticed in New Orleans. Like, a lot of the community and ecosystem was surrounded around, like, creatives in the coffee space. Um, so, like, Dodds, you can even answer this. Where is that, like, relentlessness or, like, excitement to keep going and finding different things to whether it's put the black owned brand on or just like strategizing when you guys are in team meetings, where do you think that like originates from for you personally or for the black owned team or even just like, what's up? So like coffee represents like energy, momentum and like a spark for a lot of people. So I'm wondering like, where does that relentlessness or like constant motivation for more come from your team for personally or just like even the city of Cincinnati? For me, it comes from how I grew up. Like I didn't, I didn't similar backgrounds to him. I didn't really, I didn't grow up with a lot. Mm. And um, I got the opportunity to go to private school, um, then college, and then um, coming to Black Owned and working at Black Coffee. We need somebody to create ideas. Mm. Like it, 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 it takes when you come with ideas. It takes the load off from the creative director uh, and helps inspire the next piece, the mm-hmm. next idea. Um, and I think being around coffee shops, it's a, it's a, it's comforting. It you is. Can, typically, yeah. um, there's books or something, art, something creative, something you can read at a coffee shop. 
And so that, that helps with your creativity. Yeah, and I think that's another piece that's special about Black Coffee Lounge is that not only can you go there, get coffee, and get work done, but the people feel like they genuinely care about you. I know I went and you mentioned something about my outfit that led us to exchange connections, um, exchange Instagrams. Yeah. Um, so like now I have a friend in you. If I see you out, yeah. we can speak, we can ideate, we can share thoughts and ideas. Absolutely. Um, and I think, yeah, that's what coffee does. Like you yeah. guys, you guys empowered it. Yeah. You guys just made it what it is. And I think that's special. So it means, I don't know if you got anything to add to that, but we can keep her pushing. And we only have like five minutes left. Um, so lastly, so from what we talked about, like a lot of the brand of black owned um, is built upon a message that's deeper than just like a piece of clothing um, or like a brand name. Um, so with that, like with fighting structural inequality, working to close the racial wealth gap, build generational wealth, what do you see as like some of the next steps for black owned um, for your team and just for everyone as a, as a nation and as a world? just moving forward with that initiative on mine. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think it's important for, you know, to first realize that, you know, we have we have an obligation, like you asked me about Cincinnati. We have an obligation to this core, like this area, like Cincinnati, Ohio, Columbus even. But it's like there's – there's not another means camera somewhere, but there's someone almost like me or has similar views somewhere in the world, you know, that's doing similar works. So for me, I always bring it back to like, this is my core. I'm responsible for like that, creating that feeling locally. Mm -hmm. And I want to do it so well that it spills over, you know? So I would just say like, the first steps is for communities to realize that like, we don't have to take a big bite at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't have to look at, I don't look at my brand and say, I'm gonna necessarily change the world with black on. And when I say by change the world, I mean like everything at once, but I realize I, I'm changing the world, like at where I am, mm -hmm. you know? So like, when I'm here to change the world, I realize that that could be like right here in my space. So for us, is continuing to thrive there. Like, continue to inspire the people that do know of us, the people that follow our brand, to continue to be an inspiration, to continue to give them a reason to get going, to think about ownership, to think about how they're spending their money, to think about being um, more willing to have conversations and exchange like you just spoke about. So for us, it's like doing that here in a major way it's spilling over to other cities and even, you know, to be a global brand. And we've shipped across the country and even globally, but I think there's still space for us to like do it here and for that to overflow. And I think the brands that are out there like ours, I hope that if they haven't already started, that our brand has inspired something in them to start something like this where they are and they too become just as big and spill over. And I think, Together, we we able to really change the world, but that pressure is, shouldn't be on one person or one group or one brand. It's just figuring out how we can, you know, come together, collaborate often, and, like, dominate in our spaces. So that's what we'll continue to do. And hopefully, you know, that, like I said, it continues to spill over. 
I love that. I love the spillover piece because even like personally and like a lot of peers in, in high school and college, you feel like what you're doing isn't making as large of an impact as you want it. But I think, as you said, it can start with just like waving at someone in the hallway, giving someone a piece of advice, and that spills over from them going to another person and kind of regurgitating what you did for them. Um, so it's just making those, it's brick by brick. You just have to do it brick yeah. by brick, and then you'll have a building at the end. Um, so last have you read that Will Smith book? I haven't. I'll have to add it he to the library. He starts off with a story about the brick by brick. Okay. It's, yeah. I'll have to but add yeah, that. definitely brick by brick. Okay. So the last question I do have for you, um, is there any advice that you would give since our audience is mostly students and business owners um, to those in high school, to those in middle school and college um, that you think would be valuable for them to take along their journey, whether they're in school, whether they found a trade that they're interested in, or really, whether they're still trying to figure out what their life means to them? Yeah. Um, you know, for today, I think I'm going to play devil's advocate. I like it. Yeah, and my advice today is you will get it wrong. That's my advice. <laughs> um, simple and plain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you, you will get it wrong. And a lot of people won't even get started because they just fear getting it wrong. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm telling you today, you will get it wrong. But, like, you, you, you have to do it again and again and again. So don't worry about getting it wrong. Just keep doing it, you know, until you get it right. And... There's no way you can't get it right. Mm. Like, it's nothing. I've, I mean, I'm, when I think about life, I always, come, like, of all the things I've worried about along the way, I made it out of all, out of, all of it. Amen. So, and I've gotten it wrong a bunch of times. So, it's like, my advice is just, like, start that project. You will get it wrong here and there, you know, Pick up the phone and call a loved one and tell them, you know, you're ready to make amends because it's not going to be easy to get back on path. Like, that applies to so many things. So, hopefully, the people that gets it, gets it. Yeah, I love that. And it reminded me, I just finished a book. It's called The Third Door. And it's saying that life isn't, um, like, success or failure, but life's all about trying. And those are only, like, the means through which you try. You just succeed or you fail, but at the end of the day, it's only one route and you try. And like you said, there's no failure. You're going to get it right one way or another. Um, the Means and Dodds, thank you guys so much uh, for coming and representing the Black Home brand. Uh, we talked about everything on business analytics um, and how that's vital to your success um, and even building a brand. Um, so with that, thank you for being our first guest on In the Know with Neo. Uh, we really appreciate it. And you guys are a big inspiration. Um, especially to the younger generation and those in college. Uh, so I personally want to say thank you. Um, and hopefully our, our listeners took uh, some bits and pieces away from the conversation that we had. So Thank you for having us, man. No problem. And when you get your, you know, your big studio and everything, don't Always. forget about us. You know, <laughs> us. Yo, means never, I need never. to bring you through for the <laughs> I need it. You know what I'm saying? Never, never. Never, never. All right, yeah, man. Much appreciated. Thank you. You did a great much job, man. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you're interested in learning more about NEO's mission and vision, follow us on social media at NEO Initiative or visit our website at neocincy.com.